morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. I am Ruby Knight, your announcer for this third Sunday in Lent. The Reverend Jake Sletton will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service is organist Mrs. Susan Sinegar and acolytes Jordan Clybaker and Kai Brown. Radio broadcast is sponsored by funds donated to the radio ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church and dedicated to the glory of God. These broadcasts are made possible by donations to the radio ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church. Please contact the church office for how you can help. Okay, I think we have the mic too far away from you, so. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship this morning. It's very good to be with you all here in God's house, so to worship Him, the, um, to receive so His yeah, gifts, so to be served by God. Too. After all, that is why it's called the divine service. To be served by Him through His word and sacraments. Let's stand this morning and greet each other in the name of the Lord. And members, if you see somebody that you don't recognize, please go say hi and welcome them. And as you are taking your seats, we'll continue with just a few announcements that we have before we begin with our worship service today. First of all, we are continuing through Lent, so this coming Wednesday night is our Lenten service at 7 p.m. Uh, we are going through a series called Return from Exile, and how God, through his son, Jesus, has returned to from, from a place of exile, uh, and uh, just how he has done that and how he goes about continuing to do that each and every day for us. Next, the adult Bible study handouts are in the back. We are on uh, chapter 7 now of our series going through the book of Revelation. Uh, if you would like to pick one of those up just to kind of follow along with what we are doing, they're on the back table there in the narthex. And then finally, uh, today kicks off National Lutheran Schools Week. Oh, it's so cool. Uh, this is a week in which we celebrate with other Lutheran schools throughout the entire nation. Uh, just how much that we love our Lutheran school. Uh, you'll notice that in the bulletin that you received, or at least in the handout that you received, there is a flyer there, and it just gives some really neat statistics about uh, how wonderful that Lutheran schools are and the kind of change and impact that they are making in the lives of the students that we have the opportunity to teach and the families that we also have the opportunity to reach with the gospel. Uh, and so they you, you will kind of notice some of them walking around. Some, I think, were passing out the bulletins this morning. Uh, some will be helping with ushering. 
today, uh, and of course there is a song that they have prepared for us today as well, and so we are very, very thankful and glad that they are here to worship with us today. Let's begin our service today with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day, this Lord's Day, this third day. Lord, we acknowledge you uh, and we love you for everything that you do and continue to do for us. Lord, we thank you that you have forgiven us for all of our sins, that you continue to do this each and every day. We thank you, Lord, that the victory over sin and death and Satan, Lord, has been won. And Lord, it is, it is that victory that we celebrate here. And so, Lord, now we ask that as we worship you, that you would give us a zeal for your house of worship here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We begin with our opening hymn, which is number 728, How Firm a Foundation. We're going to sing verses 1 through 3 of number 728. Our opening hymn is How Firm a Foundation on page 728 of the Lutheran Service Book. We will sing verses 1 through 3. Please stand. We begin this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us forgiveness. To God, merciful Father.
Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. So then, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. For zeal for your house has consumed me. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up. Answer me, Lord, for your steadfast love is good. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. For zeal for your house has consumed me. God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone away from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith, to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading from Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of our Lord. We continue with the gradual. O come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. children sing directed by now time for all the young disciples who are not already up here to come forward for the children's message with Mr. Clybaker.
Good morning. How are you all this morning? You're a good-looking group. Did you know that? Don't you all think so? Isn't that a good-looking group of young believers? Boy, wearing their nice shirts that say unfinished, and everybody's dressed up so nice. Very, very good. Rules is what I want to talk to you about this morning. Do any of you have to deal with rules? Raise your hand if you do. Yes. Okay. How many of you like having rules? Oh, wow. I'm impressed. Not the response I expected. Not at all. How many of you don't like having rules to have to deal with? Yeah, that's more what I expected. Well, rules are part of things we do, aren't they? Do any of you have rules at home that mom and dad have made up? Yes. Yeah. We've got a few rules at our house. Here's a couple of examples. Dylan can help fill in if I get something not quite right. Um, you're not allowed to wear your muddy work boots anywhere into the house besides the mudroom, right? That's one of our rules. Does anybody have a rule like that? Got to keep your shoes clean. How about, uh, oh, this is a rule that is a pretty big deal for me. We don't eat until we pray. Anybody have a rule like that one at your house? Yeah? Okay, good. See, I'm not the only dad that does that kind of stuff, Dylan. How about uh, you're not excused from the table until mom or dad say you're excused? Yeah, some of you have those rules. Okay, so we've got rules at home. Many of you, this is Lutheran Schools Week. Are there any rules at school? Oh, absolutely, right? Yes. How about uh, you must stand in line quietly? Right? Yes. Um, how about you're not allowed to talk in class unless you raise your hand? Now, why are some of you smiling big when I say that? Has that rule been talked to you about a little bit? Some of the, some of the older people in the congregation, that, uh, especially those that were my teachers back when I was your age, would tell you that was a rule that I struggled with as, on a regular basis as a young person. We have a lot of rules. When you get older, none of you are there yet, but when you turn 16, there's rules about how fast you can drive, right? When you get to be even just a little bit older, there's rules about you've got to pay your taxes, and so on and so forth. Lots and lots of rules. <clears throat> Why do we have rules? Yes. Rules are there to protect us. Rules are there to give us some guidance, right, so that we know what's right and wrong. That's why moms and dads and teachers and others give us rules, so we know what's right and wrong. Mrs. Minning read to us from Exodus the rules that God gave the people of Israel. They were called what? Anybody? Just yell it out. The Ten Commandments. Right. God gave his people the Ten Commandments because he noticed they needed some rules. They needed to know what he expected, right, in order to make what, well, so that they could do things correctly for him. What was really interesting to me is God gave them ten rules, right, not 150, not a thousand, ten. The first three rules were all about how their relationship was supposed to be with him. Okay, And what's kind of neat about that is three, three rules. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. 
Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Three. You know what that helps me remember? There are three persons in the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Three. Just something you can kind of coordinate, or kind of, kind of hold on to, I think, and help point you toward God regularly. The other seven rules are all about how we're supposed to handle each other, right? Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet each other's stuff. As a father, my favorite one, honor your father and mother, right? That it might, that you might, uh, it might be well with thee and you can live long on the earth. Hey, God gives us a tremendous promise there. If you want to live a long time, honor mom and dad. Follow the rules at the dinner table, right? That'd be a good thing to do. God gave those rules to the people of Israel to guide them, and not because he was uh, trying to be hard on them or make things difficult for them, but because God loved them. Moms and dads give you rules at home because we love you. Teachers give you rules at school because they love you, and they want you to be able to do what's right. God loves us all, doesn't he? And those rules didn't just apply the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. They apply to all of us today. Do we struggle? Do we sometimes break the rules? Break the Ten Commandments? Yes. So what did God do to help us with that? Sent Jesus, right? That if we believe in him, we're forgiven. And that's the most wonderful thing ever. The greatest gift God gave us. And the greatest sign of love. Listen closely to Pastor Sermon. He's going to teach us a lot more about the Ten Commandments, how they apply, and what's important for you and me to know. Let's join in prayer before we go back to our seats. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you loved us, that you loved the children of Israel so much to give them the Ten Commandments, and that you helped us to learn them as well. Father, we know that we're not perfect, and we know that we really struggle sometimes to follow those rules we're especially thankful that you loved the world so much that you sent your only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. Thank you so much for sending Jesus to be our Savior. Give us faith and strength so that we might be able to go on about our lives doing the best we can to follow your rules, but more importantly, knowing that we're forgiven through the grace that you've given us in faith in Jesus. Amen. The epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 
For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you are wise by human standards. Not many of you are influential. Not many, not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world of the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things, and the things that are not to nullify, the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Who, be, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts in the Lord boast. Let him who boasts boast in the Lord. This is the word of our Lord. Sorry, St. John, the second chapter. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? The temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. 
in our next hymn, The Law of God is Good and Wise, we sing verses 1 and then 5 and 6. Will you all pray with me, please? Dear God, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this morning from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's meditation is from the Old Testament lesson that was just read. Uh, You might want to have that in front of you because we will be referring to it as we go along here this morning. I remember very distinctly two conversations with two separate atheists that I once had. In the first conversation, I challenged him. And I said, okay, you can come up with all of your own rules, and that's fine, but there's one rule. You can't use the Ten Commandments as a basis. He couldn't do it. Because every rule that he came up with all had its foundation in one of the Ten Commandments. I remember very distinctly, again, another conversation that I had with yet another atheist. And he said to me, he said, the reason why I am not Christian, the reason why I don't believe in God, is because God suppresses feelings. God suppresses feelings, he said. You see, he wanted the ability and the right to believe anything that he wanted was true. He wanted the ability and the right to believe that his way of living was correct in God's eyes. Because after all, he said, God is love. And I just rolled my eyes and said, you need to look at the scriptures a little bit closer. God is love. God also hates sin. 
And that is the exact reason why God gave to his people ten commandments. Because no matter what we might hear from the outside world, this is what God tells you and I today and every day. It's the exact reason why we have a time of confession and absolution. Because the demand for you as a child of God is clear. Perfection. You must be perfect to be God's child. This is why God gave his people the Ten Commandments. Ten things, ten different ways for which to be perfect in God's eyes. And I know that's kind of hard to hear because you might be thinking, well, but I'm not. And doesn't, doesn't God think that it's, it's okay if I slip up once or twice or, or if this happened or whatever it is happened? I know that, that, I mean, I know that he has forgiven me for it, so that makes it okay, right? Well, how were your first parents created? Perfect. They were in perfect harmony and sync and rhythm with God. They did not need the Ten Commandments because there was no need to have them. There was no need for them to worry about keeping God first. Because it was like that. There was no need for them to worry about killing somebody else because that thought had never even entered their minds. There was no need for them to worry about taking the Lord's name in vain because, well, it never entered their minds to do it. They were perfect. And the demands for you as a child of God have not changed. You are to be perfect. The Apostle Paul says you are to be perfect just as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And so there are, there are three uses of God's law that we're going to be talking about here today as we get down to the end where we're going to talk about more and really kind of put it all together of what it means and what God means and wants for us as his perfect children. The first use of God's law is that of a curb. To curb us, to keep us on the straight and narrow path. How many of you have ever seen a guardrail on the side of a road? All of us have. The guardrail is there to keep you from falling off. How many of you have ever seen a guardrail in which you know that a car has hit it? It's a messed up mess of twisted metal. The same thing happens to us when we break one of God's laws. It is a mess when that happens. And the reason why it is such a mess, because again, as his word says, if you break one of the Ten Commandments, if you break one part of God's law, you are guilty of breaking the whole thing. If you do not forgive your neighbor as yourself, you are breaking the rest of the commandments. You are just as guilty as the person who commits adultery. If you do not keep God first, in your life, above all else, above yourself and even your family, if you do not keep God first, above all else, you are guilty of the same person who commits murder. 
That's why Paul says, if you are guilty of breaking one part of God's law, you are guilty of breaking the rest of it. And what a mess that we make, because we've broken them all. And so, for God's law to act as a curb, it helps to keep us on the straight and narrow path. Don't go this way, don't go this way, no. Go straight down the straight and the narrow path, and this is how you do it. The second use of God's law that I want to talk about is that of a mirror. If somebody took a time-lapse video of you from the time that you, you were born until the time that you would eventually die, you would see the effects of sin. Because your bodies get older. And they get diseased. And they get sick. And they get broken. That happens because you and I were born into sin. Sin causes our bodies to age. Sin causes us to be broken people. Sin causes diseases, not any individual sins that we have committed, but just sin, because we are born with it, the inherited sin that we have. The law shows us, as a mirror, showing us how far that we have fallen short of the standard of being God's people. And again, we said that that standard is nothing else than perfection. God demands perfection. If this was not the case, he would not have sent his only begotten son to die a horrific death in your place. Jesus was perfect. A perfect sacrifice needed to be made in order for righteousness to be given to us. Perfect righteousness to be given to us. I want to re read to you from Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul talks about this. Romans 7, verses 7 through 12. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would have not known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life, and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. The law of God is good and holy and righteous. But just like John asked the kids who were sitting up here, how many of you like rules, the ones that were raising their hands, my son was one of them, is lying. He didn't like rules. Come on. None of us do. We don't like rules. None of us like being told what to do. If you think that you do like being told what to do, you're lying to yourself. None of us like being told what to do. None of us like having our feelings suppressed. That's that sin. That's that original sin within us. 
causing us to think these things, causing us to feel these things. Well, well, but it's okay if it's just this. Well, it's okay because, well, it's just part of my personality, God. Sorry, that doesn't count. So how is it that the law of God is good and holy and right? I'll tell you why. Because it points to our desperate situation. Our desperate need for a Savior. That is why the law of God is good. Every, and we're, we're going to talk about this again in just a few moments, but every single part of Scripture points to Christ. Every single word, including his law. His law points us to the need that we are in need of a Savior because you and I fail every single day. We fail as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and children as workers, as employees, we fail every single day. The law of God is good because it points you and I to the one undeniable fact that is in our lives, that we are in such desperate need for a Savior. We are in such desperate need for Jesus. So curb... The next one was mirror, and now finally guide. I want you to imagine just for a moment that you are in a journey in the dark. And you keep stumbling, and you keep falling, and you say, well, I've got a map in, in my hands, and so surely that will tell me the way to go, but the problem is you can't see the path in front of you. And you continue to stumble, and you can continue to fall, until you are given a light. A light for which to be able to see the path in front of you. I did not talk to Mrs. Wormington about my sermon beforehand, but the song selection this morning by the kids was perfect. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word, the scriptures, are a light unto our feet, lamp unto our feet, and a light unto our path. But let's not forget this too. Again, as we just said, every single part of Scripture points to Christ. Who is the Word? Jesus is. Your Word. Your Son. My Savior. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is a lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. A light that guides us to reach the final destination of heaven and the fulfillment and the culmination of our faith on the last day. So curb, mirror, and guide. And now two things that we must say before we close. The first is that the power to be able to live according to the law only comes through the gospel. The ability to be able to follow God's law only comes from something that is outside of us because we know that left to ourselves, we couldn't do it. I want to read to you two verses and I want you to notice the connection between these two. First from Matthew chapter 22. If you have your Bible there in, in front of you, it's Matthew 22, 36 to 40. An expert in the law 
approaches Jesus to test him with this question. He, he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says this. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love your neighbor. And finally, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And now go to 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Jesus says, love God. Jesus says, love your neighbor. Verse 8 in 1 John chapter 4, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is why it is only through the power of the gospel that we are able to keep and to follow the law. Because the gospel says that you were loved and are loved so much that God sent his only begotten son to die for you. And, and John says in his letter here, well, since we have been loved with this enormous and wonderful and not able to be measured love, then we too should love one another. As John said, the first three commandments have everything to do with our relationship with God. And four through ten have everything to do with our relationship with our neighbor, with love being the foundation and the basis for it. Somebody might ask you, what is the summary of all of the commandments? And the answer is simple, love. Love for God and love for neighbor. And then finally, the second thing that must be said be, before we close, go to Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. I have not come to abolish the law or the prophets. Taking us back to the very beginning of when we started here this morning, what is the demand, what is the standard? Perfection. And you and I fail at that every single day. But there was one who didn't. There was one who said, I have not come to get rid of the standard of perfection. No, I have come to fulfill the standard of perfection for you. And I'm going to do it in a way that makes absolutely no sense to the rest of the world. I'm going to do it by dying on a cross. With my blood being shed. And I'm going to do it to fulfill the standard of the law for you. You see, that's why you and I are in such desperate need for a Savior. 
because the demands of the law, folks, they don't, they don't, they don't change. When God says to love your neighbor as yourself, he means it, not just the ones that you like. When God says to love the Lord your God and serve him only, he means it. Not just on Sundays. It's easy to, to do it on Sundays. But Monday through Saturday, too. When God says don't, don't hate your neighbor, he means it because it's the same thing as if you were killing them. When God says to honor your father and your mother, he means it. He means it because the demand is still perfection. What desperate need that we are to have a Savior. And the Savior has been given to us. This is why, this is the exact reason why, I think I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. This is exactly why Easter is more than a one-day celebration. Because on Easter Sunday, when Jesus rose, the, the, the day that we are leading up to throughout these 40 days, on Easter Sunday, when Jesus rose, the gates of hell were torn open. And you and I were placed in the bosom of Jesus. Wrapped in his embrace forever. Because he has fulfilled the law for you and for me. The demand of perfection is still there. But we are not able to keep it by ourselves. And so God, out of his great love for us, sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary's cross and to be, and, and to be raised again three days later for you and for me, defeating the power of sin, defeating the power of of death and defeating the power of Satan. So this week, because I promise you it's going to happen, this week when Satan comes to you and accuses you and says that you're not, you haven't lived up to God's standard, you tell him that Jesus died for you. It's really that simple. My Lord has died for me and I am baptized into his death and into his resurrection. Your accusations mean nothing here. And he he gives you this morning his very body and blood and says it's all for you. You are forgiven, you are redeemed, and you have been given the perfect righteousness and you are now children of God, beloved by the Father. I received a text message this past week from somebody very, very close to me. And he said, man, I just, I'm a terrible person. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve a bit of it. And I reminded him, those are nothing but lies. Nothing but lies from the pit of hell itself. Because God's word has said, Jesus has said that you are the beloved of Christ. And you are the beloved of God. So this week, as you go outside of these doors, do not let the accuser's lies 
outweigh and, and do not let those lies be louder than the love and the promises of Christ, which, which have said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And I have come to fulfill the law in your place. And you are my beloved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. And what a joyous opportunity that we have now to recite together so that we can all hear it as a church family. The words of our Christian faith, and we do so using the Apostles' Creed. It is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, we will collect our tithes and offerings, and ushers, you may come forward. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is the preaching, teaching, baptizing, and sharing the love of Christ in our church, our community, and our world. Trinity's L Children Sunday School and Adult Bible Classes meet at 8.45 a.m. each Sunday in the school. A men's Bible study meets at 6.30 a.m. each Wednesday morning in the chapel. Several ladies' Bible studies meet during the week in the surrounding areas. For more information, call the church office at 417-235-7300. The Lutheran Hour is our church's witness to the public marketplace. When God's darkness surrounds you, guest speaker, Reverend Dr. Dale A. Meyer. When times are darkest, God wants you to know how close he really is. It's in those threatening times that you can especially learn and live in his love. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Remembering our seasoned saints, Alice Helmkamp, Bob Steinberg, Eldred Hawley, Erna Shane, Flora Oberman, Helen Fritz, Lena Bremer, Lauren Clybaker, Nellie Stellwagen, Orville Osterlow, Robert Harris, Wayne Fritz. Families of the Week, Arlie Meyer Family, Janice Meyer, Orville Meyer Family, Ken McIntyre Family, Cadence and Jackie Mitchell, Daniel Minning Family, Glenn Minning Family, Bob Minning Family, James Minning, Jeffrey Minning Family, Justin Minning Family, Larry Minning Family. 
In our prayers this morning, we have a few folks that we want to remember, to pray for. First of all, for those in our health list, for Melba McCord, Nancy McRoberts, Ella Clybaker, Flower Oberman, Landreth Worm, Dana Robb, Ernest Shane, Janice Meyer, Myron Reed, Carol McIntyre, Orrin Fritz, Ethel Helmkamp, Dan and Joan Haynes, Addison Trokey, Steve Doss, Jeannie Stoltz, Becky Morgan, Wayne Towers, and Lauren Barnes. Also for the family of Erwin Kruger, who passed away this last week. Also for those who are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, especially for Lena Bremer as she turns 89 years old today. And also for Ed and Tracy Ray upon celebrating 29 years of marriage on March the 10th. We go to our Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we pray for true wisdom in Christ, that the faithful may recognize that the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of this world. Lord, in your mercy. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you are and have become and still are the fulfillment of the law for us. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your perfect righteousness. We thank you, Lord, that we are baptized into your name, baptized into your death, and baptized also into your resurrection. And Lord, we ask that you would help us by the power of your gospel, Lord, to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, in your mercy. For the church throughout the world and for all who confess the name of Christ, Lord, that God would defend and defend us from the wiles of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for those who have wandered from the faith, that the Holy Spirit would use us to call them home to the Father. Lord, in your mercy. For all who have been given positions of public trust, that they may use the authority given to them honorably and for the good of the people. Lord, in your mercy. For those, Lord, who are suffering, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally, that God would grant mercy and perseverance, as well as healing, according to his good and gracious will. Especially for all those who are on our health list. For Irwin's family. Lord, for all those that we name before you in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we especially give you thanks for all those who are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries this week, especially for Ed and Tracy upon celebrating their anniversary. We pray to you that, Lord, by your Spirit, you would enable them to remain faithful to each other and to the vows that they have made. Uplift them in their love for one another and especially their love for you. Also, we pray, Lord, for Lena, who has a birthday. And Lord, we thank you for her, and we thank you for sustaining her in life to this day. And we pray that your face would shine upon her each and every day of this next year. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we gratefully remember the sufferings and death of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, for our 
salvation. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all of the faithful the marriage feast of a lamb and his kingdom which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. For to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And so, people of God, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who overcame the assault of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly taught. In communion, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, you affirm with each communicant that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran Christians, you confess. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior. From sin, Satan, and death, I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament, and under the form of the bread and wine, I receive his true body and blood, for the forgiveness of my sin, and the strengthening of my faith and life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also we took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
cross of Christ I glory. Lutheran Service Book, page 427. Just as I am without one plea. Lutheran Service Book, page 570.
God's own child, I gladly say it. Lutheran Service Book, page 594.
or table, I approach. Lutheran Service Book, page 628.
this, our Savior's body and blood, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith and to life that is everlasting. Depart in his peace and joy. Amen. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us to this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy that you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord be with you. Blessed be the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. firmer foundation on page 728 in the Lutheran service book. We will sing verses 4 and 5.
One thing that I forgot to do during our prayers today, it is National Lutheran Schools Week, and I plum forgot to pray for our Lutheran schools, so will you join me in doing that now? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for these places of education that you give to us, especially ours. And we thank you, Lord, for the students and the families that we have the opportunity to reach with the gospel. Lord, we pray that more and more families would come, uh, Lord, that more and more families would hear the call of the gospel in their lives. And Lord, we ask that you would be with all of our students and families, teachers and staff, Lord, uh, that you would continue to consume them, Lord, with a zeal uh, for your house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Special word of welcome to all who are our guests and visitors today. We're very glad that you were here to worship with, with us. Uh, just a reminder, again, this coming Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, is our Lenten uh, service. Kids, as always, you are allowed to wear your PJs to church so that you can uh, hopefully fall asleep on the way home. Um, and uh, I pray that you all would have a very, very blessed week. It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by the means of this broadcast on www.freistatradio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy Mercy be evident to you in all things. Your announcer has been Ruby Knight.